is a thrill of hope in our lives that is uh, sometimes uh, we just can't explain it in a way that uh, is appropriate or or is a, a way that people can understand. And today I want us to look at uh, the thrill of hope that we have in our life and how that hope is what uh, keeps us going in the direction we're supposed to go. I heard one once say that hope, if you break the word down uh, in letters, it's having or possessing eternity. If you want to know what true hope is, it's where you have or possess eternity, where you live. And it's not a condition of circumstances or things going on in the in our, our surroundings, our environment, but it's having and possessing eternity internally. Because if we've got Jesus on the inside, we have enough. Amen? If you have Christ on the inside of your heart, you have enough. You have enough to get through any situation, any trouble, any trial, anything going on in your life. And what you need to understand is as Mary received those words uh, over 2,000 years ago now, that as she received the words from that angel explaining to her that she was with child and the Holy Spirit was saying it's conceived of the Spirit, you know, she had something possessed on the inside that got her through her trials on the outside. And the community she lived in wanted to, uh, probably wanted to stone her for saying that uh, she uh, was with child without being married. Uh, those same uh, connotations still goes on today in our world that we live in. Uh, if someone gets pregnant outside of marriage, usually it brings a stigma with it. And I asked my friend one time, I knew a, a girl in youth group that got pregnant up at the Raceland, and I asked the, the youth pastor, I said, well, what are we supposed to do? He said, love the baby. I was like, that's a pretty good answer. Because what are you going to do? <laughs> it ain't time for hate, it's time for love, amen? It's time where that we get over ourselves and our conditions that we place on things because uh, life happens. And if you've been through that, you know that stigma I'm talking about. But God is faithful, and he will be with you, and he will cause you to endure even the hardest of circumstances. Amen? The thrill of hope. This Christmas series that we're doing is talking every week is going to be discussing uh, Jesus' birth and how that that was the thrill of the hope of all mankind leading up to that moment, that time had been counting backwards up until that date, that if you look back, it was... Uh, 4,000 B.C. and counted down to Christ to his birth and how the time was counting in reverse and then when Jesus come on the scene everything changed and that thrill of hope is something that was an expectation in the community of Israel and how that their society and their culture and their religion and everything worked together in harmony in the thrill of hope of what was coming they was expecting a Messiah to come they was expecting someone to come and lead their nation and expecting hope of, of renewed uh, 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 way of Israel being in existence as a nation that they wasn't dependent on other nations because as this transpires, Herod the Great was the king over the region of Israel, but basically he wasn't a full-blood Jewish person, and he was really under a territorial domain of Roman Empire at that time. It's kind of like America is today. You're an American... But truly, if you want to go and, and take it to another degree, there's a, the United Nations. You've heard of the UN? The United Nations calls the shots, and 
And we think we're all-powerful because we're Americans, but really, if we went on a rampage of going in and blasting uh, Mexico or Canada with missiles and, and, and causing havoc, the U.N. would step in, and they would bring all the other nations to come against us. So it's like a regional thing that you're a part of that keeps you in check. So the Roman Empire that day, they was like the U.N., they was basically the, the governing authority that was there, and they would allow Herod to be king, but he was king only as they said he would be king. You see, because authority, we all have to deal with authority. Amen? Your kids, Dana, you have to deal with authority. <laughs> it's sitting right beside of you. Whatever mommy says goes, right? Usually, normally. Until Mike tells it goes, right, Mike? But we all have to deal with authority in our lives. And, and authority is not something that we uh, uh, deal too well with. I have always been one that uh, didn't deal well with authority myself in my younger times. Amen? In school, was you the one that always uh, really looked out and was glad for authority in the school system and thought, man, I'm glad they got a principal here? No. <laughs> I was the one that always pushed all the buttons and pushed the limit. And Earl tells stories. I ain't going to tell you stories of uh, the stories he tells about what he thought about principals when he was in school. He didn't care much for them. He didn't like their authority because at home, J.R. let him do whatever he wanted. <laughs> Go ride your dirt bike or do whatever. So we got to deal with authority in this this thrill of hope that they had was a hope of an authority figure representing God. They wanted an authority figure that was going to be the Messiah, and they wanted that person to be a representative for God that would bring authority back to Israel so that they could be on top instead of the bottom. Doesn't that sound like most of us? They say clicks are good as long as you're in them. <laughs> the only people that say clicks is a bad thing, one's not in the click. <laughs> you know, people's in the clicks, like, well, I'm in the click, so I'm not going to worry about everybody else. But as this uh, thrill of hope was coming, they was looking for a promise of an authority figure that was going to lead them out of the uh, uh domination of the Roman Empire. They was looking for somebody to stand up against authority on the planet at that day and at that time. In the world we live in today, we're looking for an authority figure that will stand up and take up for what's right in our, in our opinion. We're looking for a president right now as we go through this election process that we're in the middle of right now. We're looking for an authority figure that will help us get out of the troubles that we're in. Amen. We all look for some help to come from, from man. But you see, this thrill of hope that I think if we have or possess eternity is where we don't look to man to fix our problems, but we look to God to fix our problems. Amen? That it isn't man's going to fix what's wrong with this planet that we're living on. Man cannot uh, go back to the Garden of Eden status and, and make everything okay. We can't fix what we messed up. And so I want us to understand today, if we have a thrill of hope, it's having or possess eternity on the inside where Jesus lives within us and he changes us from the inside out so that we don't act like we normally act. 
Is anybody else in here today besides me? I don't want you acting like you want to act. I want you to act like Jesus wants you to act. I want to act like Jesus wants me to act. I don't want to be the person that I want to be. I want to be the person Jesus wants me to be. And if we look at this thrill of hope and I have or possess eternity on the inside, it changes me from the inside out. And it causes me to do things different than I would have done before. I thank God yesterday that I, or yesterday day before when I saw Mike and Misty posting pictures that they was down there ringing the bell for the Salvation Army. Amen? I love seeing people out doing, involved in things in our community that shows I care about this community I live in. I'm not going to ask everybody else to be the change in my community. I'll go be the change myself. I appreciate that. And I thank you guys for doing that and stepping out and doing that. It's awesome. And it, it was pretty cool because I seen the Bethesda logo there. And I was like, yeah, represent, baby. You know what I'm talking about? So as I think about this Christmas parade, it really, it, it kind of stirs me. We got an opportunity to go downtown and walk through a parade wearing our Bethesda shirts representing Jesus to our community. That's awesome. It is Christmas. You know what mass is? A lot of. A lot of Christ is what ought to be there. It shouldn't be about commercialization and how many presents can everybody get. It ought to be about how much Jesus can we get in our community. How many people is hurting and doing without this year during this season, and how can we help? Amen. I'm glad I'm part of a church like we are, that we always are involved and active and doing things and getting outside of the walls of our church and doing things to better our community. Just this past week, there was 14 families, 14 received a basket of, of a complete basket for Thanksgiving. I think you guys ought to give yourself a hand. Missy, you, you went on one of the tours, didn't you? First time, right? Yeah, she never went before with anybody, and her and... Rachel and Teresa, and you went to how many houses? Three houses. Kind of strange. <laughs> One of them, yeah, yeah. One of them was a set of brothers that uh, tried to keep you guys or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. Just wanting them to cook. They're like, stay and cook. You know, you got me off food. Just stay and cook. Pretty awesome that you guys did that, and and that there's new people getting involved. That it isn't just a few doing things in our community, but it's collective as a whole. Amen? I love it when people get involved in their church because then they own their church. So I appreciate you guys going, and, and you can tell Rachel and, and Teresa that uh, as their pastor appreciates them, and I know God appreciates them because that's the thrill of hope that God has in changing the world. He wants to do it through people. God's plan is to create a heart of compassion in man that changes the world. Not that he's going to give authority. Listen to me. He's not going to give authority to man to change the situation. He's going to give compassion to the man 
to change the situation. The only thing that will ever change the sin problem we have in this world is a heart of compassion. If you don't believe me, why would God send Jesus to be born in a manger? In a straw field, it, it's basically like a bowl that, 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 that born into this manger that where that these animals ate out of this place, in this cave. Send his son to be born in that kind of situation because he wasn't sending a king as in the kingdom of the world that we think of, a king with a crown and somebody that sits on a, on a, on a big white or red uh, a chair with, a, with his uh, staff and with a, a big, I need somebody to wave this plant at me. Dusty, come here. Somebody else. Uh, B, B, you want to wait? Yeah, you can wait. Let me decide. She'll be good. Um, um, I need one of my staff. I guess I'll use this right here. I'll get in trouble for this. This is Leslie's, but I'm going to use it as my. Okay. You're too close. I need you to back up a little bit. You're in my space. You're still in my space. Back up a little bit. You're, you're a little bit too close to you. Back up. good I make a decree that Debo will serve me all the days of his life I make a decree that Dusty will wave flowery plants full of dust at me all his life you enjoying this why you ought to be glad that you're getting to serve me you ought to be happy about this, D. I need a crown. I need like a crown. Come here. Come here. Oh, no, I don't want that crown. That's a rough crown. I need a gold-looking crown. This one's kind of gold. This is the authority I like. This is the type of king I want to be. The hat is like a crown. Brad, I feel I need some hand sanitizer. My hands are kind of sticky. Could you bring up some hand sanitizer? I make a decree that Brad will bring me hand sanitizer anytime I need it. Thank you, sir. Too high, Debo. Get down on your knees. The air is too high. Please get on your knees. You're too high. I'm not that old. Something popped there. I heard it. This feels nice. This is kind of the hope we all want. Where the whole world serves us. Tired yet? This service ain't over. Isn't this really how we all hope someday we'll be the one with the authority and people will serve us? 
when really, okay, you guys can do it. I don't belittle them, do y'all love them? When Jesus came, the one that has or possessed eternity, this was his coming. You know what this was? This wasn't about authority and telling people what to do. This was about it serving and saying, I have a heart of compassion, and this is what I'm willing to do. If you want to see this Christmas season be a different season than it's ever been before in your life, don't look how everybody else can serve you, but look how you can serve everybody else. If we really want this season in our community to be a season in our community that changes our community and the sin problem in our community gets dealt with, it won't be done when we're putting on our religious golden caps where the, we think that the community ought to serve us as a church. But it'll happen whenever we put on our, our version of Jesus and his compassion and we place it on ourselves and say, I'm willing to do something to make a difference in my community and I'm willing to serve because I have a heart of compassion because there's something on the inside of me that changed me, and now I want everybody else to receive the change that I've got. You see, if I have or possess eternity on the inside, we won't let it rest until it rests on the inside of other people. How long will it be until we feel the thrill of hope of this hope that we have, the, the eternity we have, and the desire for that hope to go out through all the generations. That everybody we know and come in contact with, that they will have or possess eternity themselves the same way we do. When are we going to get so co caught up with compassion that we, we can't quit, quit doing the good things and the good deeds that Jesus tells us to do? We can't quit paying the bill for the people behind us. We can't quit going out and finding a family in need and, and buying Christmas presents for them and, and taking it to their house already wrapped Ernie and saying, here, this is from our church. Here, this is from my family. We're going to get do without one of our presents so that you can have 20 presents. It breaks my heart when my wife goes to school and substitute teaches and comes home and cries because she sees the pain in the kids' eyes at school. The ones that she knows, they don't have as much as we've got. You know, want to know what those tears come from? It isn't a heart, a heart of, of authority. It's a heart of compassion. When are we going to possess this eternity to the way that Jesus set it out to be? And it's for the whole world. As I begin to think about this, the thrill of hope and thinking, uh, how, how can we best describe hope is, is, you know, the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You hoping for anything? Is there any desire inside of your heart where that you're wanting to see our world and our community changed? Is there any hope that, that maybe somehow, some way, things are going to change in Lewis County? Does anybody besides me want to see that happen? I want Lewis County to change. I don't want kids to have to wake up in the morning wondering, is mommy going to be peeled out of her mind tonight? It, not worth it to have to wake up and am I going to have my clothes washed for tomorrow because mommy was out doing whatever she done last night. 
not just mommies, but also daddies. Last week, I, I watched a video clip about a, a, a guy was uh, talking, a, a preacher was preaching, and he was talking about that he would, uh, when he was young, he grew up, and he, he grew up right across the street from a bar. Little beer joint. And he grew up across from that beer joint, and he, was, he, he said he was sitting out on the porch one time with his dad, and he was sitting out on the porch, and he said it was a Friday night. And in those days, in those times, Friday was always the day that payday came. He said, they're sitting out on the porch. He said, as they were sitting there, they watched the little boy come up without any T-shirt on. He didn't have no shoes. And all he had on was a little pair of cut-off shorts. He said, he rode up on that bicycle. And he leaned it up against the building. He said, he walked over to the, to the door on that beer joint, the, the bar. And he said, it had a screen door there. You could hear the music playing, the lights and all the junk going on inside there. And said the little boy, beat on the door. Say he's just a little feller, less than 10 years old, beat on the door. Daddy! Daddy! Said he'd done it for several minutes and finally the dad come out. He'd been in the bar, living it up. His little boy there said, Dad, Mom wanted me to come, get, come down because the baby don't have any milk. It's Friday, Dad, she told me, but I didn't want to come, Dad, because I knew it wasn't going to be good. I didn't want to come down here and ask you for it, Dad. She made me. This preacher said he watched that dad take his belt off, Ernie. He pulled his belt off and began thrashing his son in a drunken stupor, beating on his son, because he was asking for milk for his little baby sister. Dad, I didn't want to come. Mom made me. And the guy wasted his whole paycheck in that stupid beer joint when he had a wife and kids at home. Tell me sin is a pretty picture. Tell me how marvelous drinking and guzzling beer. I've, I've been there. I'm not putting you down any more than I'll put myself down because I was a drunk idiot. How blessed are we? How blessed are we? sitting in a church this morning full of people with compassion that gives out food baskets that does everything we know to do and tries to love on our community. But I know that just like that man told that story about that happened back in the 1950s and 60s, it's still alive and well today in the generation that we're growing up in today that there's little kids that's going to do without because of ignorance and sin in their families' lives. And I'm not saying this from a judgmental perspective. I'm not judging anybody. wasn't for the grace of God, I would be right there in the middle of it. There's three or four people said amen. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I would be right in the middle of it. We all would. So my heart is crying out of a heart of compassion, not of condemnation. 
And my heart hurts for the little kids that's doing without, but it hurts just as much for that dad that's, that's, that's living the, the wrong lifestyle. And it's, it, it's hard to tell them what reasons or what causes makes that to happen. My heart has compassion for him as well. That I don't want him to end up dying and going to hell because he's a drunk. Drunks don't want to get drunk. Has anybody ever been drunk, throwing up, sick, wake up the next morning with a hangover and saying, I'll never do that again? Has anybody ever done that? Then the next time you get a chance, you sip on one. Next thing you know, right down the same road again. All, the throne that you're sitting on ain't like the chair I was on a minute ago. <laughs> you're on the white throne throwing your guts up. Wake up with a hangover and say, I won't do that. I'm, that's my last time. I'm not going to teach you ever done it. You're <laughs> not going to do that again. Jesus is the thrill of hope. He can let you have or possess eternity in such a way that it will, it will change you from the inside out. What if he took your desire for that drink of alcohol away? Has he ever done that for anybody? He did that for me. He took the desire away. I'm not going to say sometimes in my life, I, I can just be sitting sometimes and just and Ernie, uh, the, the urge will hit me, and I can, it's like I can literally taste a Bud Light in my mouth. It's like the taste is real, though. But the desire is overcome by the eternity in my heart. And I don't go out and get me a Bud Light and start and, and start tapping on that just to, to ooze my pain or ease my pain. I don't do that, Ernie. Because there's an eternity on the inside of me that's overpowering that desire that the enemy's trying to place in me. Humanity fell into sin and needed to be saved from death. And God provided a Savior. Not a Savior with authority. Donald Trump's not your answer. Bernie Sanders is not our answer. Marco Rubio, not our answer. All the ones that we're looking to for answers, is not our answer. Jesus is the answer. He is the answer. Not a answer, he's the answer. The one true living God that changes people's lives forever because eternity, he places it inside of their heart. I want you to understand this one verse. It's uh, Proverbs chapter 13. I want you to write this down. Proverbs 13, verse 12. Proverbs 13, verse 12. says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. 
you have your Bibles, I want you to highlight that. I want you to put your Bible marker in that place. I want you to put a big star beside of it. I want you to mark that verse down. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. reason hope deferred makes the heart sick is because when you're hoping for something and you don't get it, has anybody ever hoped for something and didn't get it? That's starting to hurt my head. I got the mark. I, here, here's the way it works now. When I, when I was thinking about hope and what hope is, because they, they have these things now that used to, when I was growing up, if, if you was uh, dating a girl and you was uh, planned on marrying her, Ernie, what you would do, you would go get a ring, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You'll get that ring, and, and you, you get that ring, and you, 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 you go to the store, and you pay lots and lots of money for it, the most money you can pay, right? Claude, you have to do this. You probably had to do this. You had to get the most money you could because you wanted the best ring you could get because your prize was, I, I want to make sure she understands this is serious, Dusty, when you did this. You did the same thing, didn't you? Probably spent more than you probably needed to spend on a ring. But I'll be sitting there like, no, he did not. <laughs> it's called an engagement ring. Look at Brittany sitting back there like, up my hand. I don't want everybody to see my engagement ring. Eric, did you overspend? <laughs> she says no too. Why is all the girls saying no and the guys saying yes? What's this about? But this engagement ring, that was a promise. You with me? That was a promise that I will go through in some short period of time and promise my love to you forever in front of a crowd, and it's called marriage, right? So whenever we put that ring on their finger, it was a, a promise, a engagement that there's a future engagement going to happen, that we've got a time set of where we're going to get married. But now they've even got these other rings. It's called a promise ring. So now we're promising that we're going to promise someday. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I'll never forget when Leslie asked me to marry her, and she gave me an engagement ring. I was like, yeah, whatever. You didn't spend enough. Is that how it went? Yeah. Uh, so I... I don't know, we were just out one day and just talking and driving around and she's like, yeah, you guys talk about marriage and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, and she's like, yeah, you're like the cutest guy ever. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know. And we was like, and they was like, I'm trying to be like a teenager now, and like and like. And uh, eventually we drove to the store if I remember this right, where we go to the store in Mall in Ashland, and we got this, the rings, right? We, we got rings. So I went ahead and, and this is 
about all my savings was spent on rings. But there's a lot of it. <laughs> Scared me. It's like, God, this is expensive, this marriage thing. This is just a promise to do it someday. And we got those rings, and I remember driving home, and I was like, uh-oh. I've messed this process up because there's supposed to be a process where you go to her dad and say, can I? Right? Let's, let's go back to this honor thing. You go to the dad. So you know this needs to come someday when Natalie's little man comes up. and He needs to come to you first, Earl, okay? So and I, I've completely missed this part. I don't know what happened to me. I must have been in the love struck moment of something. I don't know. And I forgot all about going to Ernie. And here I've already bought the rings, and Leslie's hitting everybody like, oh, this is so pretty. And I'm like, oh, man, Ernie's going to kill me. So finally, Leslie and me, we go to her dad's house, and we get there, and I go in. I'm like, oh, God, this is making me sick. And we walk in, and finally, me and Ernie sitting in the kitchen, and Leslie goes into the living room, and sitting there at the kitchen table, me and Ernie, and I was like, Ernie, Bought your daughter a ring, but I'll take it back if you want me to. <laughs> Didn't I? I'm telling the truth. Counts on her. I said, I, I bought the ring, but I'll take it back if you want me to. Ernie just sitting there looking at me like, you serious? I was like, yeah, I'm serious. I don't even remember what he said, but I was too scared to even listen, I guess. I don't know. Afraid he's going to pull a gun out and shoot me. What Brad does when Bradley's boyfriend come over, Brad gets out all the guns. Here's the gun. You know, this is this type of gun. It'll shoot this far. This is this type of gun. It'll shoot this far. You know, scare him a little bit. I was afraid of that happening. Wind it up. Ernie let me give Leslie the ring. And it was my engagement ring to Leslie. You ain't even got it on. God, see how much she cares about me. This is awful, Lily. I love you. It's different for me. I got too fat to wear mine. So that engagement ring was a promise to set a day, Ernie, of where this is going to happen. So when I give her that first ring, Dusty, or you give her the first ring, there was a hope registered on the inside of that person. And that hope was, I know I've got one, but there's supposed to be two. Amen? That hope was for a date to be set to where I could go and we would stand before the crowd and say our, whatever they are, vows. I'm the preacher. I'm supposed to know what those are. <laughs> i got a little book that keeps me in line during a wedding. I can't do it, but okay. It's no, I gotta go over the book. So so we, we say our vows. And that, that process was a process of time that there was a hope of, of something expected was gonna come. You following me? There's a day that this is gonna happen. And so that from that point of engagement, when I give Leslie the first ring, that's when all the money began to go out of the account. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Where they say you gotta have this kind of dress and you gotta our church at Raceland seat, you know, three hundred, four hundred people and and you got to have flowers for every uh, chair, and you got to have all these big uh, candelabra things, and you had to have this big arch thing, 
Anybody follow? Why are you sitting there looking at me like that, Courtney? Like, why is he talking about marriage stuff? You probably had all that stuff, didn't you, Eric? What? Why did I get by with that? At our 50th, I hope what you're talking about. So this future expected date is something that becomes on the inside of you and you're longing, you're longing, everybody say longing, you're longing for that day to happen. The word that it is, it is official, that official day is set and up to that day, I remember all the way up, you know, leading up six months out, three months out, two months out, a month out, two weeks out, one week out. Then like two days before, one day before when you have the whatever kind of party that is, that's when my best man come in and all them and we stayed over at the house and Leslie and them went off and done whatever they done and it's the day before the wedding. But there's an expected date, there's an expectation, a a time, a longing on the inside that you know that you're going to be married tomorrow. Because the day was set. And as that longing is there, and I, you know, it comes plumb up to the day, and it comes down to the next few hours, and you know, I'm not allowed to see Leslie, and, and she's getting ready that morning, and all this stuff's going on to where the, I, I've got this longing going on, Ernie. This is getting ready to happen. Then come to find out, we got over to the church, and she done all the work, every bit of it. She took care of everything. I didn't have to do anything. I said, you make all the decisions, you do all the work. Amen? Is that what you did, Earl? <laughs> you, you make all the decisions, you do all the work. She done all the work, Dusty. I didn't have to do nothing. She gave me one job, one job, and one job alone, the ring. So I show up at church that morning, me and my buddy, my best man and his best man, I guess, however it works, you know, the other guy. We come strolling in. Somebody comes like, where's the ring? I don't know. Where, where are the rings? Well, you're supposed to have the rings. And I'm like, uh, I don't have the rings. <laughs> so then she gets word back to me somehow because we're not allowed to see each other and all this stuff. She gets word back to me. They're at my house in my closet up over whatever. And I had to I had to drive back over the house real fast and barely got back in time, Ernie, for my own wedding because I forgot the one thing I was supposed to bring, <laughs> the ring. And it's pulled in, and, and then we go through the, all the ceremony and all that stuff. You know, you plan all this stuff. It takes months and months and months, and then you get to the wedding day, and it takes like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and it's over. <laughs> then you take the picture for an hour and a half. So that expected day finally came and we're there and I, I didn't pre- remember the one thing I was supposed to remember and I ran back and got him and got there and then that day and whenever she's, I was standing on that stage, Dusty, and I was standing there and, and, and as the music began to play and, and Ernie comes walking, this little blonde-headed beauty down the aisle and he gets her up front and they ask him, say, who is it gives this woman to this man? Her mother and I. And she walks up those steps and meets me 
in center stage in front of 300 people and then crybaby Pastor Ben starts doing what crybaby Pastor Ben does. I start crying and mess my makeup up. It was awful. Pitiful. The day had come. The thing that I had been hoping for, the day was there. And there stood my bride in front of me after 27 years of knowing that day would soon come. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Says the rest of it. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. A longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Marriage is so much better than I ever thought it would be. Amen? I love my wife with my whole heart. It is a tree of life. Sometimes trees get bent over in windstorms. Sometimes trees might take a lightning strike. I've seen trees wounded. I've seen trees that's been bruised. I've seen trees that barbed wire fences run through the center of them because they just grow around it and keep doing what they're doing. You saw the pictures on the internet about the young boy played the bicycle beside the tree and the tree grew around the bicycle. The tree, the tree keeps growing. A tree of life will continue to have life. That marriage between her and I was a hope that I had all of my life that came to fruition on a certain day. Israel, for 4,000 years, had expected a day when a Savior would be born. It was like God's engagement ring. You following me? It was his engagement ring. It's in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, is the first place that a promise was made. It was the first time God gave a promise to man. Man had just sinned. Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, they had just sinned. They just partaked of the wrong fruit off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as they took of that fruit, and God comes down the next morning, and he wants to walk with them and talk with them. And she said, Adam and Eve's like, no, we're naked. You can't come around, God. God said, who told you you're naked? Well, I know I'm naked. Well, how do you know you're naked? Because you ate the wrong tree. Then God begins to go through his process. Okay, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And then in Genesis 3.15, he said, But out of the seed of the woman, <coughs> there's a seed coming. It was God's engagement ring placed on Israel's hand. And as that engagement ring was there, it was a promise of a future expected time to come. The day the marriage happened was when that baby was born in that manger. That was when hope hit the earth officially for the first time. But that hope had been deferred for generations and generations. And the Bible says when the hope is deferred, it makes the heart sick. Sometimes you hope for things, but you hope so much that it makes you sick because you're focused on what you're hoping for, not on who's going to give it to you. 
Amen? If you will focus on Christ and on Jesus and look to Him, the author and the builder of your faith, the perfecter of your faith, then you will obtain the things you need to obtain. But the more you look for things, the less you'll receive of Him. We need to look to Him, not things. I want a heart of compassion, not a heart of authority. How about you? I don't want what I want. I want what He wants. How about you? There's a thrill of hope in your heart today. I hope you understand this, that you will quit hoping for things and start hoping for Him. Paul said, I want to know Christ and Him crucified. Just one thing is what he wanted. To know Christ and Him crucified. And resurrected from the dead. That he didn't just stay in the ground. But he come out victorious over death, hell, and the grave. He was hoping, having, or possessing eternity inside. Won't you stand with me today? We're going to go four weeks of this before Christmas. And I hope to get us through this process of where that hope will rise on the inside of us. Will cause us to quit acting like we act. And start acting like God wants us to act. If we're going to change our community, you won't do it through mandates. You won't do it through laws. Amen? If laws could fix things, we should have plenty of fiction right now because we've got plenty of laws. Amen? Laws don't fix things. God fixes things. If you'll bow your head, close your eyes. in this place can officially say Pastor Ben I'm tired of living my way and during this season of Christmas this season of giving I want to be on God's team I want to do what God says to do during this season because I want change for me and my community. Does anybody here raise your hand and say, I want to change to be more like Christ and do things that he would have me to do. Put your hands down. everybody will just pray this prayer with me. Just everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, of my faults, and of my failures. Help me to be the person you want me to be. Help me to do the things you want me to do. 
give me a heart of compassion for my community. Help me to be a change agent during this Christmas season. In Jesus' name.